Well, good morning again to all of you and welcome now to those of you who are joining us in our contemporary service and also those of you joining us online and on TV. Thanks so much for being here. I'm really glad that we have this opportunity, all of us, to connect together like this, to learn together from God's Word and to grow together as followers of Jesus Christ. So we're, we're starting a new series together this morning, a new series called Good Work. And you might think of this as a 3165 series. For those of you who might be newer around here, 3165 is one of our church family's core values. It's actually on the banners that are in both of our worship venues, on one of those six banners. And it's meant to say that we don't only want to enjoy the life and grace and goodness of being a disciple of Jesus during the roughly average three hours a week we might spend together, quote, at church, but rather that we want to strive to experience life with Christ in all the 165 hours a week that we spend being the church in the world. And just in case you ever need the answer to the Trivial Pursuit question, there are 168 hours every week. You're very welcome. Right? We don't want to live disintegrated lives. We want to live integrated lives where we experience the joy of discipleship to Jesus in all of our lives. And one of the big barriers that a lot of us experience to that is the struggle to connect faith and work, or to connect Sunday and Monday. And this series called Good Work is about, is about that struggle. But when we say work, I think it's important to acknowledge that on the one hand, many of us work for a living. We work in paid employment. We have jobs and careers. And that's a really important part of what we're going to talk about here in these next three weeks, today and for the next two weeks. But in addition to that, we're really a pretty diverse congregation with people in different seasons and phases and roles of life. Some of us work very hard, but not in paid employment. Some of us work very hard in homes, raising children, making a home. Others of us have a lot of energy and labor and time to contribute in a retirement phase of our lives. So as we talk through this together during these next few weeks, I want to talk through all those or talk into all those different ways that we contribute the energy and labor that God has given us for the care of his world. Now, let me begin by laying my own cards on the table. In my adult life, I have spent all of my adult career, if you will, either working as a pastor and Bible teacher or training to be one. But before that, I had a lot of fun experiences in other sort of short-term or part-time jobs. My first paid work way back in high school was that a buddy of mine, a high school friend of mine and I, started a lawn care company. I don't want you to get too excited about company. We didn't incorporate or anything like that. But we put together some really bad flyers and we blanketed the neighborhoods of West Cleveland advertising more than we were skilled to do. And we gathered a whole bunch of clients. We actually got about 35 to 50 weekly clients and we mowed their grass and cared for their yards and did all kinds of other special projects that we didn't know how to do. You should be very grateful that we never cared for your yard. But that was kind of how we got started. I have uh, also worked as a waiter. I've worked in restaurants. I was a waiter at Joe's Crab Shack. If you've ever been there, I was uh, a waiter at Joe's Crab Shack. I also bust tables at Denny's, third shift, right on through the night, welcoming the bar crowd at 2.30 was my favorite thing. It was really great. <laughs> I have been an administrative assistant in a pharmacology and oncology laboratory at the Duke University Medical Center, and I was also a janitor for a year at Peace Lutheran Church right here in Lauderdale, Minnesota. That actually was kind of a fun job for that year. We always did the work. I invited friends who wanted to help me. Can you believe that? We'd go in at midnight and clean the church up. One of my most interesting jobs was as a professional residential carpet cleaner. 
I did that for a very short period of time in what I found out soon was actually a direct mail marketing scam. <laughs> and I did this job for only two or three days until I found out that I could actually make a fair bit of money cheating other people out of theirs. <laughs> that was an enlightening moment. I had to call my wife, Amy, who was out of town at that point. We had just moved to Durham, North Carolina for graduate school for me, and she was back here in Minnesota. And I had to call and say, you know how we just moved our whole life and marriage, our new life together to a new city and a new state and just signed a new lease, and I had a job that was going to help with that? Yeah, about that. <laughs> that was sort of an enlightening moment for me. I had lots of short-term, part-time employment like that where I learned, actually, a lot of things. But in all those jobs, in the positive experiences and the less positive experiences, I had an advantage. I had a gift. I had a, a lesson that was taught to me, a gift that was given to me by my childhood pastors, the pastors of the church where I grew up. Somehow they had communicated to me, and I just took it as if it were true, and it is, that all the work that we do, all the different ways that we contribute to God's world, all of them are valuable, and all of them can be callings from God, ways that God calls us to serve. In fact, some of you, if you've heard me tell my own story before, it was in my teenage years that God really got a hold of my life. I, I came to see that following Jesus was the way to life, the way to real life. And I realized at that point that I wanted to use my life, all the years of my life, and I hoped at that point there would be many of them, but I wanted to use every moment of my life to serve God the best I could, to make the biggest impact for God and his world that I possibly could make. But it never occurred to me that I should be a pastor. That wasn't part of my thought process at all. That came some years later, as a matter of fact. But my pastors had taught our church that everybody can serve God in all the ways that we work, in all the labor that we contribute to God's world. I think that's an important lesson. But unfortunately, it's one that not all of us hear it's a gift that not everybody has received. In fact, I had a conversation about six months ago with a guy who lives here in the Twin Cities, and he was telling me about an experience he had in college. He was a Christian in his college years and was involved in a Christian ministry called Campus Crusade. Some of you have probably heard of that. When it came to be about graduation time, some of his friends who were part of this community of Christians he was a part of felt themselves called or compelled to go on in some sort of obviously Christian ministry. But that's not what he felt. That's not what he thought he would, wanted to do with his life. He always loved business, and he was trained for it and wanted to go on to a career in business. So he went to a mentor of his, a Christian mentor, and wanted to process that, what he felt with this Christian mentor in contrast to some of his other friends. And this mentor said to him, well, Tom, was his first name, he said, well, Tom, then your ministry is going to be making as much money as you possibly can so that you can give as much money as you possibly can to support the ministry of your friends. Now, I don't want to dismiss the spiritual gift of giving. It's a, it's a real thing. We heard a financial update in our worship services this morning about all the good things that happened because of the generosity of members of this congregation. And some of us have been entrusted with large amounts of God's material resources, and we're called to steward and manage those for the sake of God's kingdom. Even so, I think that was terrible advice. He set this guy up to understand that what he was going to do with probably the majority of his waking hours for the next decades of his life was really itself of no useful value to God. I just think that's a shame. And I think we can do better than that. And I think in the value that we own here, 3165, discipleship to Jesus, we have the opportunity to listen to the scriptures and listen to the teaching of Jesus help us do better than that. 
So I want to begin by sharing with you this morning what I think is maybe one of the most foundational Bible passages for understanding the value of our work in God's world. And it comes from the very, very beginning of the Bible, from the early Genesis stories of creation. In the stories of creation, we are told that God placed human beings into the garden of his world, into the garden of Eden, and gave them work to do. Let me read you a couple just verses out of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. This is Genesis 1, verse 28. From the end of the creation story in Genesis 1, what God says to the human beings. God blessed them and said to them, to his human creatures, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave humanity a management role for the sake of his garden to help, the, help human community flourish, to help the world of God be fruitful. That can apply to us in all kinds of different ways. Let me just give you one other verse that I think says this so succinctly. This is from Genesis 2, verse 15, just a little bit later. It says there in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God gave them a, a calling. He gave his human creatures a job to do in the garden, to care for the garden. I think that's really important. I think there's a couple things that are important for us to learn from this story. One of which is that work, the work that we do isn't something that comes from sin. It's not part of the curse. We do work because God created human beings to be a part of the good functioning of his world. And that's a blessing to us. And I want to share with you a word that I think every Christian should know really well. It's this word, vocation. The word vocation. We use that word sometimes to describe the, the work that we do, but we also use the word occupation. And vocation is a much different, and I think a much better word than occupation. Vocation comes from an old word that means calling. It's work that you're called to do. And when you have a vocation, you're called by somebody else for a responsibility that serves them, or at least serves something beyond yourself. You have a vocation. And occupation is just something that occupies you. It occupies your time, it keeps you busy, it might make sure that money continues to occupy your bank account also, I suppose, but it's just an occupation. But I think we all have vocations, we all have many of them actually, vocations in the relationships that we have and in the work that we do. And I think that's very important. But the Bible also, I think, this, this story of creation is also really realistic and honest about the struggles that we face. And I want to read you one other verse here from Genesis chapter 3. Not all work feels good all the time, and that's a result of the fall. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 3, starting in the middle of verse 17. God said, Cursed is the ground because of you, because of your sin. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the day of your life. It's probably going to be a struggle to make a living. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you shall return. I think that's really realistic. It's a realistic assessment of the conditions that we work in sometimes. It doesn't always feel like we're being as fruitful as the creation story helps us believe that we could and should be. Sometimes we have to work through thorns and thistles, and not all of us work in small family agriculture anymore, and that's, how, that's the context that story was written in. But I think by analogy, we can apply that to all kinds of challenges that make work harder even than it should be. Now, 
rather than have me go on and on and tell you about what this feels like and what's this like, I wanted to invite a couple of friends of mine, members of this congregation, if I could invite, this is Diane Hovis and Mike Duesenberg are going to join me up here in just a moment. And I want to lead a little conversation with them and, share, and let them share some of their experiences with you from both their work and retirement lives as two of the many seasons of life in which we work. And then my purpose here in this is not only so that you would do what they do, although they're going to share all kinds of wisdom with you, right guys? I mean, just really great stuff. But my purpose here is that each of us will have the opportunity to think in the concrete circumstances that make up your life and our lives together and my life, to think about how it is that the work we do on a day-to-day basis can be a fulfillment of this calling that God has given to human beings to care for the garden. So let me just begin by asking, this is Diane Hovis right here and Mike Duesenberg over there. You're unlikely to get them confused. But if I could uh, ask them to just tell you what it is that you do as sort of your daily work. And uh, Diane, let's start with you. So for the the last 12 years of my paid work, I was uh, in finance at Travelers Insurance, uh, a very large public corporation uh, that some of you may know more readily as the St. Paul Companies. But for the last uh, four and a half years, my work has been retirement. I had to tell Diane to tell you that she's retired because I knew you wouldn't believe it by looking at her. But, uh, and, and Mike, what, what do you do? Yes, I'm a regional sales manager for a small company, and we manufacture equipment that goes into manufacturing plants that helps produce parts. Uh, for example, if you look at your automobile and you see all the plastic parts that are in the car, at one time, all of the parts was a raw material, and that raw material gets put into what's called an injection molding machine, and that injection molding machine pushes the raw material into a mold, and my company, what we do is we take the heat out of that mold and out of that machine so parts can be made faster and more efficient for the manufacturer of those parts. Thanks, Mike. And you said that you're in sales for that company. Yes, I, I'm in sales. I, as a regional sales manager, I manage sales reps, and I go out with them, whether it be Canada, U.S., or Mexico. I go out with them and help them find opportunities for our equipment to be sold to customers, end-use customers. So we manage to go together to companies and present our product on how we can help solve problems for manufacturers. Yeah, thank you. Now, uh, just full disclosure here, we've kind of had this conversation before, but it's not scripted. This is a a real live conversation. Uh, But one of the things that we've talked about in the past is how it is that uh, each of you react to or resonate with that image that God has called us all to, to care for the garden, to help the world flourish. And I wonder if you could just react to that for people and maybe say a couple of words about how it is that you can imagine that your work is a part of caring for the garden and helping the world flourish. And Mike, how about you go first this time? Yes. Uh, a part of uh, my company, it's, it's actually based in uh, Niles, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. We have an inside support staff that helps uh, prepare us with some technical information and technical presentations that we can present to the customers. And usually these inside support staff people are of a younger age that are just now getting into the business. And sometimes they don't quite understand what they are presenting. So what I do, having been in that position before, I go and help them understand the very basics of what 
they're trying to present, rather than just having them or get frustrated with them and, and say, why aren't you doing a better job? I take a step back and I look at where they're at in their careers and I want to help nurture the people in those inside sales positions so that someday they want to be into my position as regional sales manager. I help nurture them through that process of understanding the equipment, understanding the processes, and that to me is very fulfilling. Nan, how about you? Well, as I said, I had worked for a, a large uh, public corporation, and uh, with the fact that I was in a, a support area, the finance area, I wouldn't often have contact with our, our end users, the users of our product and services. Uh, so for me, um, what was more real in terms of being able to nurture others would be just with the, the work group uh, that I had and the, the people that I would regularly come into contact with and just uh, treating them with respect and dignity and helping them to, to flourish in, in each of their roles. You know, one of the things that I learned in the conversations that we've had and, and some others in our group also in the weeks leading up to this was recognizing the, the reality that kind of in our present world, in this present American economy, how many people work in really large systems. Not, not all of us for sure, but a number of people work in large companies and you can find yourself, and the company Diane worked with was tens of thousands of employees, I think, right? And uh, Mike's is a little smaller, but you work with some giant corporations that you sell to. And you can find yourself sometimes 10, 15, 20, I don't know how many layers away from the person who actually is the end user or consumer, let me use the word beneficiary, of the goods and services that you contribute to providing. You can feel like a, a very small part of this larger team. And one of the things that I just kind of want to highlight, both of you guys said this, but just to draw that out, because I've been learning it from you, is how it can be helpful sometimes to think of the caring for the garden that I do, not only in terms of what's that ultimate goods or services that we produce, but how do I care for the, the next layer of people? Or how do I make the garden work better, make the world work better, even right there where I have some more direct influence? But I have been saying in these conversations, and I want to just say to all of us again right now too, I think it is still useful though to even think about the kinds of things that your very large system, that you're a very small part of, contributes to the world. Uh, Diane worked for a large insurance company, and it's, it's important that reliable and trustworthy insurance products are produced for our world, and that helps the economy work well, helps, and sometimes in both retail and commercial situations, really saves some disasters. And in Mike's business, you know, a lot of you drive cars, for example, and I know that you're... Uh, the goods you manufacture, the cooling systems you make, aren't only used in the automotive industry, but that's one. And, you know, the, the parts that are in your car, that they, that they work reliably and they're available in an affordable way is, you know, due in part to the work that Mike does helping other manufacturers find the parts that they need. And, and when stuff gets broken, by the way, it's his fault. You can talk to him about it. it was I'll, I'll take the blame. It's yeah. my fault. No, nah, I'm, I'm just kidding about that, obviously. But I think, it, I think it really is helpful, though, to remember that even in large systems that that we do play our part. And um, sometimes I think we can feel like replaceable parts in a giant machine. And, and maybe we aren't the only people who could ever do the job that we do, but yet somebody has to do it. And, and we're in that place doing it. And I think that it's important to remember that we play an important role in those things for the sake of the, the larger garden. Now, um, let me ask you also about this, uh, the second part of this passage, the uh, thorns and thistles. And obviously not all of us work in small garden plots anymore, um, and some people still do work in agriculture, but I wonder if you could comment on what, what is it that feels like thorns and thistles that makes work harder than it should be in your experience? 
Well, oftentimes we're out in the field, like I mentioned before, and some customers can be very difficult with providing information. <laughs> and those type of customers, what I try to do is I ask certain questions in a certain way so that they open up a little bit more so we can help solve their problem. Because ultimately, a lot of manufacturers have problems in their manufacturing environment, and if you don't ask the right questions, you can't solve their problem with the right equipment. So for me, when I run across a difficult customer that's not being very cooperative, I look at it as it's, it's time for me to change my questioning to maybe help them solve their own problems. And that's what I get a lot out of. And for me, um, again, in the corporate environment, what I would see is a lot of uh, stressors on individuals. Uh, probably the biggest one would be time stressors, where people were given um, a lot of work to do in maybe an amount of time that they didn't think was reasonable, or just feeling like you can't do a good enough job and still be able to, um, to give your family uh, or other, other uh, avenues the amount of time that you would like. Uh, so time stressors were huge, and, um, and also money stressors in terms of people feeling like they could earn a decent living and uh, be able to pay their bills. What about in retirement? How do you feel about thorns and thistles and sweat of your brow in retirement? Maybe that's a little counterintuitive. Well, and actually, first I'll, I'll start with, with one of the things that, that I've really enjoyed about retirement and, and that, um, that I purposely was seeking out because of my, my job at Travelers where I didn't really get to see the, the beneficiary of our services that often. In retirement, um, I chose to work with, with places where I could be a little, work a little closer with that, that end user, if you will. Um, and one of the, one of the um, places that I volunteer with that I probably get my, my most joy out of is a, a place called Bridging. Um, and they provide really a, a home full of furnishings, um, linens, uh, kitchen supplies to families that have been displaced for whatever reason. So um, there, I think the, the biggest stressors that I, I see are with people that are, are thrilled to be receiving um, these services and these, these items for their new home, but also just the, the stress of knowing that they're going through a very big transition in their lives and uh, just wondering if they're up for the challenge. So you see kind of mixed, uh, mixed emotions there. Yeah, Diane, I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but I, I think that's beautiful. I think that's a, a fantastic example. It's, it's one thing that uh, we talk about the way that, that love pours out, one of our other family values here at First Lutheran. And, you know, as a whole congregation, as an organization, we have some particular mission partners. You usually hear them called Haiti Home and Hood. Uh, and uh, Bridging isn't one of our whole First Lutheran Church partners, and we kind of have a strategy that we try not to have too many. We try to have only a few because that makes it a lot easier for us to communicate about them and for the energy of our whole congregation to kind of have enough bandwidth to understand what's happening there and have updates and really get invested. But it's always been our vision ever since we made these partnerships that the people of First Lutheran, because First Lutheran is not just like a business or an organization, but it, it's a people and it's made up of people. People, that all of us would have these opportunities to, to serve and pour out in whatever amount of time and energy and resource that we have available in all kinds of ways that bless the world around us in ways that tap into our individual passions. And I know that's one that it suits the way, especially at this season of life, that you have a particular passion for. And I think that's great. And I hope that can be an example to, it is an example to me, and I hope it can be an example to a lot of us. I, I want to just finish here by 
uh, wrapping up today with a, a word of encouragement. Uh, we're kind of laying the first foundations this week one of this series, and we're going to have the next couple weeks to kind of wade into some other details and issues. But today I want to just finish by speaking a word of encouragement to all of you and in all the ways that you use the time and energy and labor, the uh, time is maybe our most precious gift. It's what life, life is made up of. And in the way that you use your time and energy and labor, I want to speak a word of encouragement to you to remind you that you are serving in God's world, that there's value to what you do. There's value in God's eyes to what you do. And I know that some of you are working in jobs that you hate. And I know that some of you work in jobs that are thankless. Nobody says thank you. And some of you are working in jobs where you don't get paid nearly enough. You don't get paid at all for what you do. And nobody says thank you for those things. And, I, and today, we're saying thank you to one another. I want, I want you to know that everybody else in the room in your Christian family is grateful to you for the things that you do, for the goods you manufacture, the services you provide, maybe for the trustworthy children that you're raising, maybe for the volunteer labor that you produce, whatever it is. You're really helping to care for God's garden, to make human community flourish, for, for fruit to grow in God's world. It's a valuable thing, and I want to encourage you in that. And maybe as kind of a, an assignment to, to think about for this week or an action step to reflect on, at one level, I want to invite you yourself to just reflect on that, to even spend a little bit of time thinking, reflecting on how is it that, that my daily work, whatever that is, contributes to the flourishing of God's world. But I know that sometimes that can feel like a dead end and we feel like our jobs don't mean anything and it can be really frustrating. It can feel a lot like there's more thorns and thistles than fruit. And so let me just give you another suggestion, and that would be to turn to somebody that you know, a, a good friend, a family member maybe, somebody who knows you and, and cares about you, and ask them, say, how do you see my work contributing to a better world? Or if it's somebody in our church family who maybe has heard this message now and knows this kind of language that we're talking about, you could ask them, how is it that my work cares for the garden? And let them encourage you a little bit. Let them build you up in things that you don't see. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to take some more steps and read some other Bible passages that help guide us in our learning. But today, I want to just lay this foundation and speak that word of encouragement to you. Let me close this time in a, in a time of prayer. Good and gracious God, we come before you with thanks. God, I thank you for the world that you made and for putting us in it, for giving us the opportunity in, in all kinds of different ways to participate in your work. God, I, I pray that you would open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts to see the value of what we do and how it is that we care for your world. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the value of other people's work. I pray that you would guide us to be appreciative of it and, and grateful for it. Maybe for the people who serve us in various places throughout our days, we all interact in a variety of ways. And I pray that that appreciation for our own labor as work for you will permeate our own hearts and also change the way that we treat one another. And God, I pray that you would lift our courage, that you would encourage us and fill us with hope and value even as we tread through and work through the thorns and thistles and work by the sweat of our brow. I pray that you would fill our hearts with the knowledge that every work can be vocation, that it can be a calling from you to care for your world. We love you. We live and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.